0: Hey there, good people. Welcome to Visiting Hours, a Northern Health podcast offering an opportunity to learn a little about the lives, work, and dreams of our Northern Health family. My name's Steve, and I'll be your concierge behind the curtain. Come on in and join us for Visiting Hours. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. We pay respects to their elders, past, present, and future embracing their rich tradition of conveying information and ideas through stories and song by sharing our stories with you we're visiting today with an author of the romance variety and an ambassador for pink hope she loves musical theater disney animation and her family to quote shakespeare though she be but little she is fierce she's northern health's operations manager of support services wendy nickel welcome to visiting hours
1: Steve, thank you so much. What a welcome. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, you're more than welcome. Now, your your full title is actually a bit of a mouthful, like a lot of people at Northern Health as well. Mm-hmm. Operations Manager of Support Services, PSA and Cleaning Service Contracts. Correct. What is it that you actually do?
1: Very good question. I think it's probably uh, more accurate to say what is it that we don't do um, within support services. So my role specifically as the Operations Manager for uh, the PSAs and the Cleaning Service Contracts is predominantly to obviously ensure that we are meeting cleaning standards throughout the hospital. But I like to see our role within support services as a broader support to every single department within the hospital. So we should be there to do what they need us to do when they need us to do it. Um, So one-stop shop, give us a call, we'll send somebody around and we'll support you. So we have about 200 staff in our support services division working as PSAs throughout all campuses of Northern Health. Who, as most people would know, look after patient care, um, assist with patient transfers, clean the wards, um, and support the nurses and nums as required. So, uh, I would like to think that we are there to provide support when needed, as needed. Um, I mean, it's in the title, isn't it? Support services. It's right, there.
0: <laughs> it's right there. Yeah. So, what are your what are your hopes for the department moving forward? Like, well, how do you see support services?
1: Yeah. As I said, I think we need to be the one-stop shop. So we're very conscious of the fact that the medical teams, the nurses, the doctors are uh, are busy doing what they need to be doing on a daily basis. You know, support services is there to support not only with cleaning, but with catering, with linen, uh, with waste, with all of those things that I guess don't fall under that clinical umbrella. Um, And I would like to see us as the helpline as the people that can be contacted to assist with any of those non-clinical things that need to occur. And I think we do that well at the moment with our CARPS team. So our CARPS team are there to support everybody for all of those ad hoc requests, mm-hmm. but it would be great if we could expand that and become that one-stop shop that everybody might need.
0: Sure. And and even when you're getting a request that may be outside of your your scope of capability kind of thing, what, what happens then? What would you do?
1: Yeah. So we would like to think that if you contact the department and it's something that we can't look after, we should be able to point you in the right direction right. or even make the contact for the person that's been in touch with us so that we can set the ball rolling for them. So it's very much about supporting the business. That's how I see support services. Customer service um, and trying to resolve issues quickly and efficiently when they arise.
0: Awesome. So not everybody grows up wanting to be an operations manager. (laughs) What what did you uh, see yourself doing when you were younger?
1: Very true. So when I was younger, I wanted to be a school teacher. Uh, so when I was very young I wanted to be a primary school teacher and then as I got older I thought oh no maybe secondary might okay. be the way to go um, but going back some number of years Steve since I've been at university it's
0: prior to the pandemic surely
1: um, when I was uh, finishing uh, VCE or it was HSC back then um, moving into in, into university there was an overabundance of school teachers mm-hmm. um, so for anybody to become a teacher at that time uh, to do your placement they were asking everybody to go to regional areas uh, because there was just an overabundance of people studying teaching. So at the time, I didn't think it was the right way forward for me and ended up going to university to do a Bachelor of Business majoring in catering, human resources and hotel management. Okay. So early on in my career, I was very much involved in hotels and receptions, functions, banqueting, things mm-hmm. like that. So
0: hence the, the high level of, you know, service or wanting to lift our service. Yeah, to that absolutely. Level
1: well. I've been very, um, very focused the majority of my career on customer service levels. But it's amazing how the skills you learn in hospitality translate very, very easily into what I do now because Mm. it's still operations. You're operating uh, a business, catering, cleaning, (coughs) functions and things like that in the hospitality arena. All of those skills are transferable into the healthcare arena as well.
0: So do you ever regret uh, not sort of following that teaching line of career?
1: Sometimes I do. Um, I absolutely adore children. Um, And actually when I was younger, I danced from a very young age. So I danced from... My goodness, I was probably maybe three or four when my mum first enrolled me in dance um, and it was very a very big part of my life and I ended up teaching. So I ended up uh, doing my teaching qualifications and teaching dance from quite a young age. I was about 14 when I started teaching and taught dance right up until essentially when I started working full time and I really miss the interaction with the students Um, But I really miss the dancing too. And, um, you know, at my age now I'm probably too old. I'll probably fall over and break a bone, (laughs) which we all know I've done before. Um, But I do actually one of the things I would love to do this year is to get back into um, some sort of dance, whether it's an adult class or, I don't know, Zumba or something like that. There's nothing like dancing for clearing away stress. Um, obviously keeping you fit, but it just brings a smile to your face. And that's what I used to love about it. Mm. Um, so yeah, I do I do miss the teaching. I miss the dancing. And yeah, sometimes I think to myself, I wish I had have pursued the teaching. Um, but my daughter's doing that now. So oh, I lovely. kind of, I can live vicariously through her. Yep. Yep.
0: <laughs> And of course your love of the performing arts extends beyond dance to musical theater as well. Oh, I love it. What what are some of your favorites?
1: Oh um, my gosh. Saying? Uh, How long is a piece of string? (laughs) So I love, um, my absolute favourite is Wicked and I am very excited that it's coming back to Melbourne this year. Um, Loved Hamilton, so saw Hamilton last year, I think it was in Melbourne last year or possibly the year before for the first time, absolutely loved it. Um, My daughter's studying creative arts at university but um, with a view to teach. So she's very much into musical theatre as well, probably the result of me pushing it on (laughs) her from a very young age, it's our favourite pastime. So generally most musical theatre pieces that come to Melbourne, you'll find that I'm heading off to see it at some stage.
0: (laughs) There, there's a bit of a formula, and I know with Disney as well, there's a bit of a formula for, for a lot of the musicals that, you know, you have your establishing song mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, you're meeting the townsfolk, they're all trying to foist something on you. Mm-hmm. Second second song is usually the hopes and dreams song of the main character, I'm here but I wish I was there. Correct. Something else is happening <laughs> like that. So I was doing a bit of reading as well and I thought, hmm, this, this book could be a musical. Um, I was just wondering to myself. So uh, the main character is, I don't know, leaving home to go to L.A. to meet her famous sister, um, (laughs) saying goodbye to her parents. And and something that came up in the book that I was reading, it was actually a lovely little bit, uh, and it talks about when she hugged her mum, the fragrance was like uh, jasmine and daisies, and Mm -hmm. that's something that really stuck. It was very evocative. Mm -hmm. Um, So is that ringing any bells, Wendy? (laughs) Um,
1: It does ring some bells, actually. Yes. Yes, I do recognise... A little bit of that story, I must admit. You're gonna ask me how, aren't you? How, Wendy?
0: (laughs) We're visiting today with Wendy Nicol, Operations Manager of Support Services. Stay with us as we find out how she knows so much about the novel I've just referenced.
1: So, um, I'll go back a little while. I'll go back to about 2013. And um, just, uh, you know, on a little side note, and I can talk more about this a little bit later, but uh, back in 2013, I was diagnosed with breast cancer um, for the first time, because unfortunately I've had it for a second time. And something quite amazing happens when you go through something like that. A, you feel very, very um, privileged and uh, very lucky to still be here and to get through it. And it also kind of makes you question, what am I doing? And have I? is there anything that I want to accomplish that I haven't accomplished? Or is there anything that I'd like to see or anywhere I'd like to go to? Because it, it makes you question your mortality a little bit. When you go through something like that, And something that I had always wanted to do since school um, was pen a novel, write a novel. And I'd always had... Uh, books on the go, Steve. It was kind of my um, stress relief and my hobby Mm. and my little side thing that if, um, you know, I was feeling like I needed to sit down or I had something bubbling up inside, I'd sit down and I'd go in front of the computer and I'd write. And I've got lots of little stories on the go. I still do now. And I haven't sat down in front of the computer for years now, to be Mm. honest with you. Um, But at the time I thought, right, I'm going to finally fulfil and sit down and write this novel. So I sat down and it was, it was quite a cathartic but quite an amazing process because when you, once you come up with the story, it just kind of gets a life of its own and mm. you start typing and things just start basically coming out on the screen that, you know, you, d- you may not have even thought of. The words just start pouring out. Mm. So there was a huge swell of independent writing um, going on around about the time that I wanted to do this. And there were a lot of resources and a lot of things you could tap into. So there were conferences you could go to to network but to do writing workshops. There were uh, groups that you could join to work on writing together, to critique each other's work, cover designers, editors, merchandise companies. Wow. It was a whole new world for me, something that I had um, never imagined but thought thoroughly enjoyed, and I ended up writing um, a few sequels to the book as well. So I think there's four in total from memory. Um, and then I kind of, it kind of was out of my system, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, I'd done it. I did what I'd been wanting to do. Yep. And then life kind of got in the way. Kids grew up. They were very busy. Work was busy and the writing kind of subsided. I want to pick it up again at some stage. And as I said, I've got lots of, of little half-stories you know, a few chapters here and there from yep. other stories that I've thought about. So my hope is that I will find the time to sit down and that that writing um, bug will come back. Because if you haven't got that that bug and that urge to do it, there's that there, you're not going to get anything onto the page. So I need that enthusiasm to come back for it as well. For sure, yeah. For yeah. Sure.
0: And, and you mentioned there at the top that um, that it was as a result of of you know sort of. Taking stock of what you, were, mm. what you were doing because of the, the yeah. diagnosis. Yeah, absolutely. Um, tell us a little bit more about that.
1: My dad's side of the family has a huge history of cancer. So my my grandmother, my dad's mum, died when he was a baby. She had six sisters and of the six sisters, five of them all, all died very young. We're assuming that's from the cancer because they didn't keep a lot of... You know, we haven't got access to their medical records from back then. But a cousin of my dad's tested positive to the BRCA gene, the BRCA2 gene, um, when she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. So she contacted my dad. Dad tested He was positive, so myself and my sister both tested. My sister thankfully does not carry the gene, but I do. So I have the BRCA2 gene.
0: And what does that mean for you?
1: The BRCA2 gene makes me uh, gives me a sixty nine percent chance of developing breast cancer in my lifetime up to the age of seventy five. I also have an increased risk of ovarian cancer as well. So um, we discovered all of this back in about two thousand and eleven. So I went on to immediate um, annual MRI surveillance to check for any signs of cancer. And I also decided to go go down the route of preventative surgery. So I was in talks with um, breast surgeons and plastic surgeons about a preventative mastectomy and an oophorectomy to have my um, ovaries and tubes removed. So we were well down the path of all of that when unfortunately my second annual MRI showed early-stage breast cancer. Um, But I count myself really lucky, Steve, because it was early stage and had I not been aware of the existence of the gene, I wouldn't have been getting that surveillance. So we wouldn't have found it at that stage. Mm. Um, So we just kicked into gear. We went in straight away. I, I, um, Funny story, talking about Disney earlier, um, we had our first big trip to Disneyland in LA planned uh, for about two weeks after I had the diagnosis. Um, and when the poor breast care nurse rang me to tell me that they'd found something and I had to come in to see them, I think the first words out of my mouth were, but I'm going to Disneyland in two weeks and I can't tell my kids that we're not going to Disneyland. Um, and she, she was lovely. She handled it beautifully and I think when I got in there to see them all, I apologised to her and said, I can't believe that was the first thing that out was of reaction. my mouth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in that situation, you, your brain just goes to really strange sure. places. Yeah. Um, so I was incredibly fortunate that because it was very early stage, my beautiful surgeon said, you know what, go to Disneyland have this holiday with your family, Um, put it all out of your mind, which surprisingly enough we were able to to do that pretty well while we Mm. were away and then as soon as you come back we'll take you straight in for surgery. So I think I got back from Disneyland on the Friday. I was in having the mastectomy on the Monday. Wow. Yeah, so it was really quick. So we had um, everything removed, ovaries and tubes were removed maybe, I think it was about six months later. Um, And because we'd undergone all the preventative surgeries and because I had um, done the risk removal surgeries that I had, I didn't at that stage need to have any chemotherapy or anything like that. So it was just ongoing medication to manage the risk. And um, I was very, very lucky, Steve. I didn't have any recur. My surgeons have been amazing. My doctors have been amazing um, until last year <laughs> when, um, again, I count myself very, very lucky. I was having a routine checkup with my GP and she found a lump under my arm And unfortunately the same cancer had come back but in my lymph nodes um, at this time. So this time I've undergone, um, I think, oh my goodness, it was 16 rounds, something like that, of chemotherapy, surgery and finished radiation just before Christmas. So I'm now kind of in the stage of getting ready to go back to see the doctors to find out what the next step is, which I'm assuming will be ongoing medication and monitoring. But again, I count myself incredibly lucky because I'm still here. You know, I've had it twice and I'm lucky enough to still be here. So... um, I certainly can't complain. And if I had not had the knowledge of that gene running through our family, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here.
0: Obviously, you've had that support from your husband and family and um, healthcare professionals. Did you find any other organisations that you found, you know, particularly helpful?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, you know, you get amazing support from breast care nurses and from your doctors and everything like that. But I was very, very lucky to discover Pink Hope, which is an organisation that supports families like mine. So their focus is on supporting families with hereditary dispositions to cancer. Yep. So when I first joined Pink Hope, it was a very small organisation. Um, around the time that I was going through all of my um, preventative surgeries, Angelina Jolie came out and announced that she was having the same surgery. And it just catapulted awareness like you wouldn't believe. Mm. And the membership of Pink Hope quadrupled overnight. They were getting inundated with phone calls from families saying, we've got a huge history in our family. Um, I've been pointed in your direction by my GP. What should I do? So Pink Hope now is a much bigger organisation. They are still a charity, so they rely on charity donations. But they have some amazing supports in place, and I'm really proud to be an ambassador for them and work really closely with them. And we do information sessions. We have online groups on Facebook and things like that that people can join so they can ask questions, you know, I'm going in to have my preventative surgery next week. What should I take to the hospital with me? Or did anyone experience this after their surgery? Is this normal? You know, it's just a support network. Mm. And it's amazing to be able to speak to other people who are experiencing the same thing as you. So the doctors and the nurses and everything, incredible people who just support you and look after you to, I can't say enough about them. I'm very, very lucky to have had the team that I did. But there's also something to be said for having the ability to talk to somebody who's going through a similar thing or, you know, is at a different stage of their journey, I guess is the right word, to be able to get their input or get their advice or just have have an ear to listen to. Yeah, for sure.
0: And the website has a quiz or a form to help identify potential susceptibility? It's
1: our Know Your Risk tool. So anybody can go onto the Pink Hope website um, and just click on the Know Your Risk tool and it asks you um, very general questions, but as a result of that Know Your Risk tool, it will let you know whether or not they think there could be an increased risk in your family and therefore to seek further. um, further advice from your GP or whether you're not sitting in a high risk group. Um, and it's important to note with many of the families that we work with at, at Pink Hope, it's not just families with an identified gene like BRCA1 and BRCA2, which are the most well known. There are a multitude of different genes that families are dealing with. And there are also a lot of families who have a huge history of, fa- of cancer in the family, but have not had a diagnosed gene. But they are still members of the community sure. because they've still got those concerns and And worries that maybe this huge history that I can see in my family, we don't have a diagnosed gene, but that doesn't mean nothing, you know, there's nothing that's going to be passed on to me. Yeah, Yeah, they're amazing.
0: Yeah, well, I think we can all agree that you're amazing and we've got a little quiz of our own to finish up today and given your love of Disney, we thought we could do uh, some fill-in-the-blanks and would-you-rathers. Nothing is going to be too hard for you, I don't think. I hope not. (laughs) All right, complete the quotes. Dishonour on your whole family. Dishonour on you. Dishonour on your... (laughs)
1: I know what it's from and I can't think.
0: Dishonour on you, dishonour on your cat.
1: Cat. (laughs) (laughs) Dishonour on your cat.
0: Cow. Cow. Complete this quote, Wend.
1: I hope I get one right.
0: You'll get them all right now. Okay. (laughs) We do them enough times. (laughs) Okay, let's go. Dishonour on your whole family. Dishonour on you, dishonour on your... Cow. Oh, very good. Mulan. Oh, wow, it's extra points. Okay, there you go, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, we finish each other's...
1: Sandwiches. Oh, of course we do. Yeah, Frozen.
0: Blank. It's to die for. Simba. Very good. It's to die die for. for. Yeah, from Cinderella, of course. (laughs) 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 Be our...
1: Guest, and I'm not going to sing it, but very I would good. love to because it's one of my favourite songs from <laughs> okay. um, from Beauty and the Beast, but no, you don't want me to sing. Which
0: would you rather, Mulan or Encanto?
1: Encanto. Uh,
0: Prince Eric or The Beast?
1: Oh, my gosh, Prince Eric. Uh,
0: okay. I um, love Little Mermaid. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Which Disney princess are you?
1: Uh, Belle. Everyone in my family knows that I love Belle, and um, oh, this is very embarrassing, but on our Netflix... You know how you have your little icons yes. on Netflix and Stan and all of those kind of things? The kids have set me up as Belle on everything. Oh, beautiful. So I'm Bell. There you go.
0: Yeah. Um, switching to musical theatre now, um, <coughs> from Hamilton. Yes. I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy and... Hungry. Very good. mm hmm Angelica, Eliza, and And Peggy, three sisters, yes. Very good. The Scarlet (laughs) Sisters. Excellent. The musical also refers to the Federalist Papers, a collection of 85 essays published in newspapers to promote the ratification of the Constitution, Mm -hmm. um, of which Alexander Hamilton wrote 51. Do you think the ideas he raised on economics and finance in Federalist Essays number 9, number 11, and number 23 were always doomed to fail given the current socioeconomic climate facing the US today?
1: Well, Steve. I don't think I can answer that question myself, but given that we are the one-stop shop in support services, I'm sure if I went to Rick, our deputy CFO, he'd be able to answer that question for me.
0: Perfect. Thank you for that. I'll look forward to your answer. (laughs) And the last question, this one's from Wicked. I know another of your favourites. Oh, my favourite, yes. As well.
1: Yes. I hope I can answer this one. You'll be able to get (gasps) this
0: one in spades. Don't worry. Okay. Because I knew you, I have been changed for...
1: Oh, good. Now, that's my favourite song out of Wicked. Yes. What a beautiful song. It
0: is a lovely song Mm. as well. And I feel um, we've all been changed for good today and you're the agent of change that's brought that about. I think the shift in focus you're targeting with support services is outstanding and can only lead to improved patient-centred care. I can't wait to see what you guys have in store for the department in the future. Your tenacity and positive attitude in battling cancer is just so inspirational. You encourage safety to soar, kindness to creep in and togetherness to take hold. I could chat with you all day about show tunes, story arcs and behind-the-scenes insights, but sadly, visiting hours are over.
1: Mm, Thank you so much, Steve. I would have loved to have sat and chat with you for another few hours as well, (laughs) to be honest, but it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Wendy. Thank you, Steve.
0: If you'd like to find out a little more about Pink Hope and the services that they provide, visit them at www.pinkhope.org.au. Thanks so much for dropping by. We hope to visit with you again soon.